Welcome, welcome to the Bien Quo Show. Sorry, guys, it's been a long time. This is our first podcast in over a month. And I'm sorry to say, my worst fear has come through. The Giants have won the World Series. Woohoo! It, uh, it feels great to be a Giants fan right now. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bathe I think, in uh, Enjoy I it. Moved, I moved up to the... Back to the Bay Area just in time to celebrate the World Series because that would have been really, really difficult to be in L.A. right now and not have the coverage that we have up here. Did you and go to the parade? I went to the parade yesterday, um, which actually, you know, I don't know if you've been to the Lakers parades or any other parades, but um, I, I don't really like the concept of parades to me because... Like, yeah, they're like a cool party and like people talk and stuff, but it's just a lot of waiting for no real purpose. Um, I liken it to a roller coaster kind of. You wait for a long time for a little bit of thrill and then it's over. Exactly. And you wonder why you waited so long. That's totally like I waited for a couple hours and didn't, you know, I didn't get out there super early, so I didn't get a great place to stand. And then there was just so many. The, the smell of Prop 19 in the air and drunken idiots uh. <laughs> at 9 in the morning and uh, homeless people left and right. Um, it wasn't the greatest atmosphere. But then when everyone came down and all the players came through, it was totally worth it. And then right after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of over this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the video of uh, Aubrey Huff doing the Zoolander pull your underwear out thing. Yes, yes. That Were you was there a, at the end of the parade? I, I was not there for the, the speeches. I mean, basically... I think over a million people showed up um, wow. and lined those streets. So it was really hard to get out into the actual Civic Center. And by the time – once everyone – like once all the, the cable cars went past, um, I basically took off. And so I listened to the rest of the, the speeches and ceremony on the radio um, on my drive back down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely fun. And I have to say that you know the whole playoff experience, San Francisco really – I mean, I came up for every game up here, either to watch in person or watch on TV, and the atmosphere was electric, especially those World Series games, and it was just so much fun. Um, and I think the night of the celebrations, uh, when we actually clinched Game 5 against the Rangers, was easily the most fun I've had, I think, in a single night, because everyone was just having a great time. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun to be around a lot of great Giants fans. So, yeah, you told me that you went out into the street and were part- partying with the people in the streets, right? The night they won it all? Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we went down to Polk Street, which is one of the big, one of the bigger streets down here. And, uh, you know, champagne everywhere, beers everywhere, people jumping, dancing, singing, lighting fireworks and fires. I mean, it got dangerous in other parts of the city. Um, you know, there were like, literal riots and people getting beaten up and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I was about to say, because, you know, the part of the reason I don't go out in the streets when the Lakers win is just because I'm terrified of, like, getting hurt. Exactly. <laughs> There's and, so much crap that goes down and so much stuff that gets burned. It's like, it's not worth it. Exactly. And I think some areas are much worse than others. So, I mean, we were, we were in a pretty nice area, or at least in a nicer area. And, uh, you know, that was, demographically speaking, more like a mosh pit as opposed to, like, you know, a gang yeah. war. <laughs> no, no arson going down. Because uh, la- this past year when the Lakers won, there were literally like rows yeah. of police in the street, like, and they were firing like tear gas and rubber bullets into the crowd, and you know that's not <laughs> right. Well, the cops, the cops in uh, in the cops that I saw 
were totally cool with everything. They were taking pictures and giving high fives and stuff. Now the cops in other parts of the city were, you know, actual riot police and things were going down. Yeah, those those guys were called out, but um the ones that I encountered were enjoying it just like everyone else. Um and I also say that yeah, I was lucky enough to go to 3 of the 7 Giants games um in the playoffs this year. Um two games in the NLCS against the Phillies, which was a blast. And then one game in the World Series game two, which was just an unforgettable experience that I'm going to remember for a very, very long time. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about the baseball aspects about it? Because, you know, you look on paper and you're just flabbergasted that this team was the Giants team that won the title. Yeah. Um, from a baseball perspective, I mean, I, I think it's it's hard to argue that there's more talent on the Giants than there are on... Well, particularly the Phillies and Rangers. I mean, those two teams on paper seem so much better, especially offensively. Well, yeah. only offensively, really. Um, you know, I, I'd put the Giants pitching staff, you know, up against anyone, including the Phillies. But the lineup, obviously, name-wise, just means so much more from those other two lineups. Um, but all I can say is that in a seven-game series, anything can happen. And I, I do think the Giants' arms are just really that good. I mean... They, they every you know every series it was almost okay. Well, the Atlanta hitters shut down the Phillies hitters. What was their deal? The Rangers struggled when they never struggled before. It's like well, the common theme in all that is that the Giants pitched really really damn well. Yeah, I also think that they had destiny on their side. You know, they just kind of had it, where you know sometimes teams will just get, get that magic going and they'll just ride it all the way, like those Marlins teams and you know other team like those Cardinal teams in '06. I mean. Teams that on paper just don't look like they have it, and yet they find a way to go all the way. And yeah. when you look at the things that happened, I mean, what comes to mind immediately is the uh, Kinsler, the Kinsler, the Kinsler the double, sh- yeah. double that went right off the top of the wall. <laughs> and you know, so fluky. You get things like Edgar Renteria, like yeah, suddenly getting out. super hot in the World Series. Mm-hmm. You know, things Cody never, Ross carrying us, yeah. Yeah, things that you never expect to happen just happen. And yeah, you know, I mean, I, I spend so much time as a fan of like saber metrics and all the numerical aspects of baseball to to remove the factor of it or the factor of intangibles or any of that kind of like superstitious stuff. But at the same time, being a fan and knowing this Giants team, you just felt like they had it. They had something going for them that couldn't be quantified that, you know, you, you didn't really know where it was coming from, but like every single game, you always felt like they had a great chance to win and that they'd find out, figure out some way to make it happen. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy in the sense that you know you you can't really pinpoint it, um, but at the same time, I, I mean, I had every game was just like a little bit stronger the belief that the Giants would really be able to pull it off because uh, it was completely unexpected. I mean, no one really expected the Giants to be able to win the World Series. Yeah, I kept waiting for a Scott Spezio moment to happen. You know, like, oh like when Josh Hamilton would just crank one out or something, Absolutely. but it, it just it never happened and. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly and as a you know as someone who's you know seen the heartbreak of the 2002 team and just you know the general misfortune of a lot of a lot of teams I've rooted for in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, you always expect that to happen. I mean, like you don't want to, but you're like you're kind of guarding, you're kind of wary of like that one hit that just crushes your soul where you actually believe, but all of a sudden the other team 
pulled out something. And really, honestly, like that Eric Hinsky homer against us in Game Three of the NLDS, where you know the Giants had had played really well and were looking great, and Hinsky bombed that one. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, okay, that's the stomach punch. This game we lost, and you know, all of a sudden the series might turn. When in reality, that I mean, the Giants aided by some terrible fielding from Brooks, Brooks Conrad were able to actually pull out that game. Um, yeah, it was it was great that you guys were able to overcome that feeling because I remember that feeling in 08 when, you know, we weren't on the receiving end of it, but we were on the giving end when in the NLDS against the Cubs when James Loney hit that grand slam in game one and you could just right. see the entire <laughs> fan base of Wrigley Field just sunk into their chairs and didn't utter a peep for the rest of the game. Exactly. It's so deflating. And I, and I think, you know, if you've ever experienced it before – you automatically kind of just assume the worst just to like guard against it. You know, it's like if you've ever been wronged, you're, you're just waiting for it to happen again for that validation. Oh yeah. Surprised by it. It, it, It's happened to me these, uh, you know, in 08 and 09 with John Broxton, you know, (laughs) Matt stairs and. Oh yes. That bomb. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Both of those times I was just in utter shock afterwards. Crushed, crushed. And that's, you know, it's one of those things like that's why. That's why it was so improbable for this team to do it because this team, you never really felt like, I mean, they were never really favored. I mean, besides possibly the Brave series and they were underdogs. Um, so the expectations weren't really there. Um, yet at the same time, you know, they kind of just inevitably just kept winning and you're like, okay, like this is kind of a, a dream. And I don't, I mean, I want, I would love to buy into the dream, but I don't want to get it ripped out. From yeah. Under too. It's hard to lower the shield. Cause you feel like once you lower the shield, you're going to get punched in the face. Exactly. And so, I mean, yeah. and like, I mean, out here, you know, after game two of the, of the world series, you know, people were like, Oh, like we're going to sweep Texas and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, all we did was we won the two games we were supposed to win. Like that doesn't mean anything. Right. I mean, yeah, you held serve and <laughs> I mean, it's great that you won those two games better than if you lost them. But at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean squat because if they come and sweep three at their, at their place. Then all of a sudden you're back here and you're feeling all that pressure. Um, and so it's funny that, you know, this Giants team, you know, labeled torture and for all of the like heart wrenching moments they had, they never faced an elimina- elimination game all year long, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. And they never trailed in the series. And I think that was really, and honestly, they won a lot of games that they just, they simply struck first. And I think that for this team was huge because they gave them that confidence to kind of push forward. Another thing that, you know, really bugs me about this Giants team is that they're likable. They have personality. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of remind me of the 04 Red Sox when they had that whole idiot gimmick and they were oh, yes, taking shots yes. of whiskey before the game. <laughs> you know, this Giants Absolutely. team, I mean, you have Brian Wilson who's just fucking crazy and <laughs> Tim Lincecum who's smoking weed up after every start. You have, you know, the machine who mm-hmm. just looks like he's a sexual predator at every at bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this team's got some moxie to it, and you know they're fun to root for, which is very sad to say. <laughs> I wish yeah. the Dodgers were nearly as fun to root for as hey, you guys. Teams. You guys aren't fun to root for, and you guys, you know, didn't are get terrible. Us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I completely. I mean, look, I've rooted for a lot of Giants teams that aren't fun to root for. You know, when you get guys like you know Bonds is great, but he's not a fun guy to root for besides the fact that he's really really good um jeff kent everyone hates jeff kent yeah. you know like mm-hmm. so i mean i've seen teams and honestly you know 
if they had won the World Series, I would have loved them all, right? I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, winning, you know, you forgive them for winning, but yeah. exactly. But in this case, with this team, I mean, with these players, I mean, they just had such a unique chemistry together, and they all had, they all brought something different to the table. Yet you didn't feel like any of them had, you know, like a super ego or, or any of them was a superstar. I mean, the guys that were stars were like Lincecum, Posey, Kane. Huff. I mean, and all those guys, they all had different personalities, but none of them put themselves above the team. And I think that was really a huge, a huge element of why this team was fun to root for. I mean, you had your overpriced veterans like Renteria and Rowan and Zito, and yet even those guys weren't even sulking. I mean, they were cheerleading or coming yeah. in huge, but I mean, they were fun to root for the whole way. Which, you know, Manny definitely did not display down the stretch. But that's another issue. <laughs> so I do have to say that, Steve, you've been a very, very... Besides the fact that you tried to jinx us in every round. <laughs> what are you talking about? about? how we have it locked up, <laughs> which frustrated me to no end. You were actually quite a classy Dodger fan the whole way through, and I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's taken a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Tommy, and he was saying how this is one of the darkest times in your Dodger rooting career. Yeah. Uh, because of the whole McCord situation, the uncertain future of the Dodgers, and the Giants winning it all. There's really not a lot to be happy about in Dodgerland these days. And, and I will w- say, at least you guys made it to the playoffs last year. It's not like it's been a huge drought for you guys. Yeah, I mean, since I mean, the McCords actually have a pretty good record, you know, playoffs wise. You know, we've made the playoffs uh, quite regularly since they've become owners, but. You know, haven't been able to take that next step and get there. And, you know, what's most frustrating is that we were set up to go further this year, and instead we took a huge step back. And now, now that Joe Torre's gone, it looks like we're rebuilding, and it doesn't look like we're going to be contenders immediately, and it's really upsetting. And you couple that with the divorce and the Giants winning, and yeah, it's a really (laughs) dark time to be a Dodger fan right now. It is a pretty tough time. I will say, you guys, you do have a lot of talent still. So whether, I mean, direction of the future is uncertain, but at the same time, at least some of the pieces are already in place. So yeah, yeah. Let's. I wanted to talk about uh, the look for next year, the hot sure. stove, and yeah, yeah. see we you know where the Dodgers and where the Giants look to end up next year. Uh-huh. So yeah, I well, mean if you if you look at the Dodger lineup, I mean we're pretty set at two outfield positions, the corner infield, shortstop, and catcher. I mean you know Russell Martin's going to be back. He made about five million dollars last year. And he's arbitration eligible, so, you know, he's probably good, and he might get a raise this year. And, you know, there's been some rumors that they're thinking of non-tendering him and uh, just letting AJ Ellis play catcher next year, but that is not, (laughs) (laughs) not an attractive option. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, James Loney, you pretty much know what he is. He's an average MLB hitter, below average offensive first baseman, a good Mm -hmm. fielder, but he's, you know, he is what he is. He's, Probably not going to get much better at this point. Casey Blake is old. Um, he's probably not going to give you what he gave you two years ago. You know, he's probably just going to keep regressing. He can still rake lefties. He had an OPS of about 900 against lefties last year, but against righties, he's just completely futile. Um, at shortstop for Call, I mean, you've got to figure he's going to hit the DL a couple times. So, you know, what when I say that. They're solid. 
at these positions, they're not really that solid. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I could use an upgrade at any of these positions, save for maybe like right field in and center field. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the two huge holes in the lineup look to be second base and left field. Um, Is there anyone you want them to go after? Well, we picked up Scott Podsednik's option for next year for $2 million, but it was a mutual option, and Scott Podsednik declined. Apparently, he thought he could get more than $2 million bucks in the free agent really? market, which I don't understand. I don't see anyone giving him two million, more than $2 million bucks. That seems That seems pretty foolhardy. Yeah, so he's going to be gone. Um, yeah, we don't have a second baseman, really. I guess we could bring back Terrio, but I really do not like the idea of that. And at second base, I guess I'd, I'd hope that Ivan DeJesus could come up and take that spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, DeJesus, he was looking like one of our top prospects two years ago, and then in 09, in the first game of spring training, he slides into second base and breaks his leg and misses all of 09, and then comes back in 010 and has a mediocre year in AAA. Um, but he's been ripping it up in the AFL. I mean, he's he's always been a high on base guy, but in the AFL, he's batting like 400, and he's been playing really well. So hopefully he can step up and take that second base job. And as far as left field, I really have no idea, because you know Carl Crawford is out of their price range. Right. And they re-signed Jay Gibbons today for 400 k um, but he's not going to be able to play left field every day. He's just going to be a left-handed bat off the bench. So I have no idea who's going to take that spot. Maybe they can swing a trade for someone, or I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, none of the prospects, I mean, I guess the two outfield prospects that are first in line, I mean, I guess you could say Xavier Paul, but yeah, Xavier Paul. he also just projects as a pinch hitter. He's probably not going to be an everyday player. Um Trayvon Robinson is probably a year away. He's done, he's done pretty well, though, in the minors. Yeah, I, I don't think he's quite ready yet, though. And, and Jerry Sands, who hit... Oh, Sands, too, yeah. He hit 35 homers last year in between single and double-A, but mm-hmm. I think he probably needs a year as, at triple-A as well. So as as for right now, you know, I, I don't know what options we have in left field. It's probably going to be uh, like Xavier Paul, and maybe they'll pick up a bargain-based bargain guy to platoon him with. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's about it. And the pitch. What about staff. your staff? I see you re-signed Ted Lilly. We did. We gave Ted Lilly three years, thirty-three million dollars, just to show that trade wasn't all for nothing. Yeah, uh, which is you know vastly overpaying for Ted Lilly, who and he's going to be you know like thirty-eight or whatever at the end of the deal, and we're going to be giving him thirteen million dollars that year. That's rough. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, we've got Kershaw and Billingsley at the top. That's I feel like that's pretty solid. We've got Ted Lilly as number three, which, you know, as of right now, you could do worse for a number three starter than Ted Lilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they're going to try and bring back Kuroda or Padilla. I'm not sure if they can afford both, but they're going to try and bring one of them back at least. Uh, Padilla would probably be a lot cheaper. He, we could probably get him for like four or five million. Uh, Kuroda, he'd probably cost... You know, eight figures. So I doubt that we would be able to bring him back, though. I I definitely prefer him. He's very solid. He you know he'd be a borderline ace when he's on and he's healthy. But um, yeah, as far as the fifth spot goes, 
again, it's like left field. We don't really have any good options. I mean, I guess John Eli would f- fill into that spot. <laughs> he's an option. <laughs> yeah, he's an option, but, you know, again, not the ideal situation. You know, hopefully we can bring both Padilla and Kuroda back, and then we'll have a solid front five, and then Eli will be the fill-in guy. Do you guys have any money to really pursue other free agents? Not really. I mean, I guess Adam Dunn is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he's a guy that I would hope that they would go after to maybe play left field, but again, he might be out of their price range. I mean, Coletti has said that McCourt gave him direction that the payroll would increase this year. Wow. But <laughs> you know, I'll, it's one of those situations where I'll believe it when I see it. You know, Absolutely. once they spend the money, then I'll be happy. But as of right now, I'm a little skeptical. skeptical. Sure. <laughs> yeah, um, from a Giants perspective, I mean, I, I have to say I haven't really thought too much about the hot stove stuff. I mean, you um, could be forgiven for that, though. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it. it's a little bit of a buzzkill because it means some guys will be leaving, which has already happened now that uh, Edgar Enteria, after lifting the Giants to a World Series and being the MVP, has gotten dropped. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot. I mean, more than half of the offense is a free agent, right? I mean, you only have, exactly. I mean, you know, Posey's going to be back. Buster will be back at catcher. Um, Pablo you know, for, will be back. Technically, no one's back at first base. Sanchez will be back at second. Hole at short. Pablo, theoretically, is back at third. Um, the outfield, I fully expect them to keep Ross and tender him. Um, and then Rowan and Sheerholz are still out there. But you're right. I mean, Ro- Burrell is a is what about gone. Torres is Torres on the uh, Torres. Torres should be there too. Exactly. I forgot about Torres. Um, but yeah, Burrell, Huff, and uh, Renteria are all theoretically and Arebe actually are all yeah. theoretically uh, on the block. So I mean, I expect Huff to be back. I think that he's really really fallen for SF, and I think you know obviously the team will probably reward him handsomely for what he did this year mm-hmm. um and then burl could come back if he's uh i can't imagine him taking needing too much money so he's another option but i, I think the giants would be well suited not to rely on him to start every day in left field um you know maybe rotate him around a little bit more yeah he was awful in the world series yeah, I mean, he just, he looked so old. You know, you couldn't catch up to anything, and he was just, looked terrible. And plus, you know, he has that sexual predator look in his eyes <laughs> when he's at the plate, and <laughs> you, uh, it's kind of uncomfortable. I've heard so many Pat Burrell stories over this postseason of, of real, real life Pat Burrell stories with, uh, with, uh, with, uh females, and, uh, um, oh, really? That don't they're involve not, the machine? They're, they're not flattered. Well, I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's just a very, uh, He's a bit of a player, apparently, which I think we could all see. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I think the Giants will definitely have a few holes. And if Huff comes back, you know, the, the middle of the order minus Uribe would be intact, um, assuming Burrell kind of stays. And there's probably some money to throw around. The shortstop is going to be an interesting option. I guess guys like Alex Gonzalez are available. Maybe a trade for Jason Bartlett. Um I'd expect them to kind of go after, you know, a proven shortstop and not really look to uh, upgrade internally. You know the who's only... a free agent shortstop? Who? Derek Jeter. You're right. <laughs> Boy, Derek Jeter is a giant. That would be. Wouldn't that be something? That would be a test for me. That you know, they are very... saying that his contract talks could get messy. So you never know. 
Yeah, I'll put the odds of him leaving New York at around like a quarter of a percent. <laughs> yeah, he, he, there's no chance. There's no he, chance. He's going back to the Yankees. Exactly. Um, and then, so um, yeah, the ba- the basic needs are a new shortstop and then left field. Those are probably the two biggest ones, assuming that Burrell comes back. Um, and I think the Giants would love to have a rebate back, but if he's going to look for like two or three years, I'm not sure the Giants want to give that to him. Yeah. Um, I think the staff is completely set. I mean, both the, the starting set. rotation and the bullpen, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the whole starting five's back, which is great, which is really the only important part for this whole team, <laughs> I feel like, minus Posey. And uh, bullpen-wise, yeah, Wilson, um, Affelt's got another year. Um, you know, I think I actually don't know the contract status of the rest of the guys, but middle relief, so fickle and easy to find i'm not too yeah concerned see that's it. the thing that that's worrisome because bullpen is so fickle you know at the beginning of this past season i thought the dodgers bullpen was solid as a rock and then it turns out ronald belisario gets suspended for the dui troncoso his, <laughs> his arm falls off because joe torrey was using him too much and jonathan broxton falls apart and you know hong chi kuo turns out to be the only reliable reliever so, you know, you never know with the bullpen guys. They have a huge swings from year to year. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think we'll have to see what happens for kind of the hot stove season. And both teams have holes. I mean, I don't think either team is really, really set. The Giants staff is set, which is the key for them. But, uh, I guess we'll see, we'll see who they go after. I don't think any, I don't think either team's gonna make a huge splash at any free agents, so. Yeah. Could be a, one of those quieter off seasons. Some relievers, uh, like, Takashi Saito's a free agent. I would like to bring him back, and Joe Bimel as well. They're both free agents. I, you know, those are you guys. You like those that, old Dodgers? The, yeah. The ones that got you to the playoffs? Yeah, guys who, you know, I, when they were on the team, I was huge fans of them, and then when they left, I wasn't too happy, and so, <laughs> if they would come back, I would, I would be very glad. You know, anything that prevents them from using George Sherrill as their lefty guy would be... They need to get rid of Sherrill. Yeah. Can they get rid of Sherrill? They can't. They Well, I mean, he's arbitration eligible. He could... I mean, they can just non-tender him. Yeah. And that I might be a good move. Wise. <laughs> or just Or just bring him back as, like, strictly a lefty guy. Strictly a lefty yeah, guy. I mean, his stats against lefties are still decent, but it, righties just clobber him like no other. It's, it's just really ridiculous. It is. Um, okay, switching gears quickly here. The other big news, it's been a busy week up here in, in SF and everywhere, but. Yeah, it has. The, uh, it was the Giants winning the World Series, then the elections the next day, and then the parade yesterday. Um, any thoughts on the elections, Steve? No, it was, I mean, if this year wasn't the year that the Republicans would win, then you know that the Republicans would never win. Because I think the anti-democratic sentiment was as high as I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And yet the Democrats still won the governorship and still won the Senate. So I think California is just permanently blue at this point. I don't see it. You know, becoming Republican well, it, it, in the future. It, it was close, though, at least. It was close, but I mean, Meg Whitman spent $130 million <laughs> and still lost. <laughs> and, uh, I don't feel too bad for her, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. It was like, you know, there have been a lot of reasons to be 
upset with how California has been run recently. And if that wasn't enough to kind of drive and, you know, change the party lines, then, you know, what would it really take? But nationally, (laughs) nationally, the Republicans did take the House. They did. They're almost neck and neck. I mean, they're only trailing the Democrats by like three seats in the Senate. So, you know, they're they've got some power now, and they're going to be able to block Obama's agendas more efficiently than they have in the past. And you know, you know they've been saying the number one thing that they're going to try to do is repeal Obamacare. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Rendering much of the past. Yeah, well, rendering the, the entire the next years entirely. The, Ob- entire- the entire Obama presidency basically will be rendered moot if that happens. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be something. <laughs> but yeah, even, I mean, I heard Arnold was getting booed at the parade yesterday. Was he? I, I didn't actually get a chance yeah, to Ar- see the speeches. Arnold so. was at the end, he gave a speech, and when he came up, he got he got a smattering of boos. Which, you know, is not unjustified, seeing as how the current state of the state is. Exactly. But he I mean, did... I, I did hear that he made a machine joke about him being a Terminator and Pat Burrell being a machine. He did. He uh, <laughs> he made a he definitely made a joke about how he wasn't the only machine or something like that. Um, Obama apparently asked Bruce Bochy if uh, if Brian Wilson's beard was really that magical or something like that. Um, so everyone was kind of buying in. But um, what, what what was your take on the uh, propositions? Well, uh, I guess the mo- one that's gotten the most talk is Prop 19, legalizing marijuana, which failed. Which, you know, I have mixed feelings about that one. I- I'll just say I, I voted for it. I-, I voted for legalizing marijuana, but I did have mixed feelings about it because even if we did pass it, there is still a federal law that bans marijuana use. And so we would have contradicting state and federal laws, which would probably have to go under judicial review and it would be years and years you know before anything was truly resolved but I, I think you know marijuana legalization is in the cards in the future you know and I think you know as this generation gets older you know we'll our, our views will start to trickle in more and that'll become more widely accepted because socially I think society just gets more and more liberal as time progresses, and there's nothing that conservatives can do about that. <laughs> and so, You're saying it's a lost cause, Steve? I am saying it's a lost cause. I mean, socially, you look at how things have progressed over time, and you know, conservatives have been losing battle after battle you know, when it comes to social issues. I mean, economics-wise, it's a different story, but... You know, I think marijuana is something that's inevitable. It's just going to take time. It's like gay marriage. You know, I feel like that's going to happen eventually. It's just you have to wait for the old people to die. <laughs> then, Man, that's such a such a great view you got there, Steve. Such well, a, I mean, I, I, I think uplifting one. <laughs> I think it's the truth. I mean, what, once the old people die, I mean, the old people have their values that they grew up with, and our generation has a different set of values for the most part. And so it's just a matter of time and waiting it out. That's that's actually unfortunately I think very true, especially until you know this younger generation starts to have the opportunity to vote more. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, you look at it takes their voting rights very seriously. Then it's you know, yeah. I mean, story. the unfortunate thing is senior citizens do make up the largest voting block. I exactly, mean, they're retired. Right. They don't have to go to work on voting day, exactly. which you know, kind of always bothered me because you know if you wanted your citizenship to vote. 
I mean, wouldn't you put voting day on a weekend where it wouldn't conflict with, you know, every Honestly, day? Honestly, I, I don't see why people don't just, just don't just go absentee because that's I mean, what I yeah, think. absentee it, it I I don't I didn't do absentee because I forgot about it and it's just it's more paperwork that you have to do. You know, I kind of like going to some place and going to the ballot and feeling like, like you actually had the punching uh, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something that's not as transparent with mailing it in. Sure. But, you know, yeah, absentee, absolutely. More people, I think people are just lazy, you know, that that's what it comes down to. A lot of people are very lazy. They lazy and different. And yet, you know, they still want to complain when they, <laughs> they don't like the way things are going. Uh-huh. But, you know, yet they, they don't do their due diligence and do, they don't do their civic duty and vote. But, you know, I don't want to get on the moral high horse here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, I guess let's switch gears quickly again here. Um, I, I've been a little bit of out, out of touch with the L.A. scene as since I moved up, but uh, I'm seeing here that you said Magic is liquidating his assets. Yeah, there's there's a big story like a week or two ago where Magic Johnson, he had a 5% share in the Lakers that he sold to uh, drug billionaire Peter Soon-Chung, who's been a long-time Lakers season ticket holder. And it, by the way, coincidentally, just showed up on Forbes' like list of however many most powerful people on earth. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. But yeah, that's who Magic Johnson sold his share in the Lakers to, which they said was valued at about twenty something million. But I think he, people are saying that he sold it for much more than that, probably more like forty or even maybe fifty million dollars. And he also had 105 Starbucks franchises that he sold back to Mother Starbucks. So Magic Johnson is liquidating a lot of his assets. And you have to wonder, you know, the only two reasons that he could be doing this are, one, if he's, like, strapped for cash and needs money immediately, which, you know, he's Magic Johnson. He's been very successful business-wise. There's no reason that that would be the case. And the other reason is that he's looking to buy some other kind of sports franchise and bring them to Los Angeles like, say, the NFL. And I think that's the leading theory right now is that he wants to buy a huge share of an NFL team and move it to Los Angeles. I think it's time for LA to have a sports uh, – to have an F- NFL team. Yeah. And I think Magic would be a great personality to head it for, for LA. I can think of no one better to own an NFL team than Magic Johnson. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like he, he embodies what's great about the LA sports scene, um, which, I mean, I'm trying to be very, very nice here, Steve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't I mean, honestly, love Magic, though? Magic's so fun. He's like, abs- a- I mean, I, I can't imagine. I don't like the Lakers. I don't like Kobe, but I, you know, I really like Magic Johnson. I mean, he's yeah. just, he's a fun guy to root for. And, uh, and I think he's, he's just got a really great kind of personality for, you know, promoting a new product like that, like an NFL team. Um, so my hope, and I, and honestly, after living in LA, I don't understand why LA doesn't have a football team. There's no reason we shouldn't. There's have really a no reason why you guys shouldn't have one. I mean, it, it's it would be very well supported. It would be very well funded. I mean, there's no reason in my mind why it shouldn't work out. You you shouldn't have so many Raiders and Trojans fans. You should have more, um, whatever your NFL yeah, team. Whoever to decides. Be <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be hard for expansion. To, to add a 33rd team because that would be asymmetrical. So it would probably have to be a te- another team that moved over here. And, you know, it's looking like either the Chargers or the Jaguars or, you know, 
a team like that. But I think the biggest obstacle right now is getting a stadium built. They just don't have a viable, modern NFL revenue-producing stadium that they can call home. And yeah, so they're, they're trying to do that in the city of industry. I think that's the most viable project going on right now. There's also talk of, you know, knocking down half of the LA Convention Center and building a football stadium in downtown. But that seems like it would take a lot more. And I think the City of Industry plan is progressing uh, a lot farther than any of the other proposed plans. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I want an NFL team here. I haven't been able to root for an NFL team basically my whole life. I mean, the Rams and Raiders left when I was just a kid. And I, I, I still followed the Rams. I still followed those greatest <clears throat> those greatest show on turf teams. But, you know, since the Rams have been terrible, I, I haven't had any interest <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, and they're not they're not close or anything too. I mean, how are you supposed to feel a yeah. connection to St. Louis, right? I mean that's not Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's halfway across the country, even if it's you know still the NFC West, right? So yeah. <laughs> a an NFL team in LA would be definitely, definitely welcome. You guys can have the Raiders back. <laughs> you know what? At this point, I would take the Raiders coming. They actually, back. Uh, honestly, I think the Raiders might actually be on the right path coming up soon. Um, and it's going to take them a little while. And obviously, if Al Davis stopped meddling with everything, that'd be huge. But I mean, yeah, how many more it, years does Al Davis have left? Really? I mean, he's I, like it, 107 years old at this point. <laughs> pretty much. At least it's gotten to the point where, in the past year or so, he hasn't done anything too embarrassing. I mean, because he used to be just like. It, it was like spiraling out of control to the extent where, you know, something would happen, you'd be like, wow, I didn't think the Raiders franchise could like sink that low. But, I mean, finally, I think things have stabilized a little while. He's gotten cable. Yeah, uh, former UCLA coach Tom Kind cable. of well balanced in there. <laughs> exactly. Who the uh, UCLA offense could desperately use back. Yeah. <laughs> God, we are terrible. That's a, that's a whole other story. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, if, if you guys wanted the Raiders back, there might be more Raiders fans down there than there are up here anyway, so. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> I mean, the Raiders, I don't know if you watched Ice Cube's 30 for 30 documentary. I did. That was actually one of the only two I've watched, but it was really good. But yeah, the Raiders kind of, they still kind of have an identity here. You still see guys walking around with Raiders gear down here. So yeah. I think if they did come back, they would be welcomed. Absolutely. They should come back. Um, good stuff. Yeah. Well, with the end of baseball and uh, with none of our football – well, you don't have an NFL team and my NFL team sucks. and uh, <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> and the atrocious uh, UCLA Bruins, it is actually basketball time. And that's always exciting for the L.A. crew because they have yes, a fantastic team every year. L.A. is a Laker town. I mean – it is. It's, There's it's, no way you can put it anywhere, any way else. I mean, the Dodgers are huge, but the Lakers are ten times bigger than the Dodgers. Absolutely, the Lakers are just massive down there. Um, so, give me your uh, kind of predictions on what you think will happen playoff team wise. Well, all right. I've, I've. The West is basically going to boil down the same as it was last year, with a few small tweaks. I think. Um, I got the Lakers at, at the number one seed. Uh, I've, I have the Jazz number two. Aggressive Jazz placing. I yeah, like I mean, I, I I really like the Jazz. I think Al Jefferson's going to fit in well, and uh, you know they've got a good coach. They've got a great point guard. I think I I still think the Thunder 
are a tiny bit overhyped as was on display yesterday when they got blown out by the Clippers. I went to that game, by the way. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they looked terrible. They Kevin Durant could not buy a three. I think he was like 0 for 10 on three-pointers. Wow. But, yeah, the Clippers blew out the Thunder, which, you know, was very surprising. But I, I've got the Thunder three. I think they're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be quite ready to take that next step. Because I was reading some people saying that they were going to go to the NBA Finals and beat the Lakers. And that's a yeah, bit of a stretch. There's, there's <laughs> no way that's happening. Not this no. year, not yet. I think they're a big man away. They are definitely a big man away. They uh, they absolutely. I mean, Westbrook is fantastic. Duran is amazing, but they just don't have a big man. Yeah. I'm, I'm also. I'm just not a fan of Jeff Green. I, I think he's very. Yeah, I, I agree. He's he's okay. He's not. He's nothing to get really that excited about, in my opinion. Yeah. He's he's kind of he he has a small forward game, but they play him at power forward. But he's not quite big enough. Exactly. For guard fours, and you know, I guess Serge Ibaka is a serviceable center. And yeah, but I mean, none, neither one of those guys are guys you can put up against Gasol or or yeah, um, even Odom and Bynum, obviously. And they need a guy who can score on the low post, and you know they just don't have that. They would need at least a Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, at least a, a guy who's going to be a big body. Exactly. Um, okay, go on. Sorry. But yeah, I've got the Thunder three. I've got Mavs at four. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Mavs they basically brought back the exact same team that they. Did they, they had last year. They're all one year older, so they're. I think it's going to be tough to keep at that same level. But I mean, they're still a good team. Dirk is still Dirk. So I've got them at four. I've got the Nuggets at five, and that is a tentative placement based on whether they trade Carmelo or not. And we'll have to wait and see. I, but I, I think I, if I I think the Nuggets could be in some flux this year. Like they could yeah. really be they could be in a tough spot. If they decide to get rid of Carmelo, then you know it all goes to hell because right. they're not going anywhere. I mean, even with Carmelo, I don't think they were going anywhere. But they're really they're <laughs> not going to be good if they get rid of Carmelo. And at that point, I think you have to just blow it up and rebuild and you know get Absolutely. rid of get rid of Chauncey and you know. But for for right now. With Carmelo, I'll slot him at five. Um, I've got New Orleans at six. Now, when New Orleans didn't make the playoffs last year because Chris Paul was hurt most of the year, but uh, when Chris Paul is healthy, they're a good team because Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think he's still the best point guard in the league. You know, even with what Rondo is doing, oh and God. I mean, Ray Rondo is going crazy right now. But I think Chris Paul over the long haul is still going to prove himself as the best point guard in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got them at six. I've got Portland at seven. Um, yeah, nothing much to say about Portland. Uh, they're pretty much the same team also. Um, maybe if Greg Oden is healthy, then they can go a little further. But they're pretty much what they are. They're you know a low-seed playoff team. They're not going to get past the second round. So I've got them at seven, and I've got the Spurs squeaking into the playoffs in the eighth squeaking. spot. Squeaking. Squeaking yeah. in the eighth spot. I don't like the Spurs. I mean, I think they're still. I mean, they still got Duncan Parker and Ginobili, mm-hmm. but you know they're getting really old, and I have no confidence that Richard Jefferson can give them anything. And I'm, I, I just don't see it. They're they're just getting way too old, and you know I, I think they're gonna barely edge out the Suns. And teams and the Rockets and the Clippers, I think teams like that. But yeah, 
Okay. Well, let's, let's, before you go to the East, let's, uh, discuss my West list. All right. Um, so I have similarly the Lakers number one, which is too easy at this point. Um, I actually have the Mavs too. Um, and the Thunder three. Yeah. I mean, after the Lakers, it's all, I mean, you could slot them in any order after that. Exactly. And I think for me, the big, I guess what I've been realizing once I was looking through these teams is that I don't feel like the West is really getting better for most of these teams like teams like the Mavericks the Nuggets the the Blazers the Spurs those are all teams that I mean they're going to be pretty similar to what they were before right right I mean nothing's really there's no big pieces that have been added if anything I mean they're all just kind of degrading slowly yeah Um, which still means they're good quality teams but at the same time like there's nothing to get excited about those teams um relative to challenging the Lakers now the Thunder obviously are a team on the rise and they can definitely get there, not this year, but down the road, just because you expect Durant, you expect Westbrook, you expect Green, um, well, maybe not Green as much, but those two to still keep getting better, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think, that's why I buy into your Jazz argument too, is that I feel like, you know, Boozer's a good player, but now that you've added, uh, a Jefferson and have like almost full-time minutes from Millsap, I mean, those are yeah, you know, that, tangible that's huge. Upgrades. You know, Absolutely. I think Jefferson actually fits their team better than Boozer did because Jefferson's more of a low post scorer, whereas exactly. Boozer was a high post, you know, jump shooter player. Exactly. And, um, you know, you've got him and and it, it allows Millsap to start, which is a huge plus for them, I think. Right, and you still get guys like Okur who can bust it from deep, and I, 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 yeah. I think yeah, I think the team has has changed enough, and I'm not saying it's better, but at least there's the potential to be better. Yeah, I think um, losing Kyle Korver really hurt them, though. They don't really have that. yeah, they don't have they don't have shooters. That's Although true. Gordon Hayward did look really good in the preseason. <laughs> I have not seen any Gordon Hayward yet. I, I need to get on that actually. Yeah, um, um, we'll see if he can keep it up over the full season, but he did look really good against the Lakers at least in the preseason. <laughs> One thing I was going to say about the Mavs is that you know, I mean, I'm there's no real reason to get excited about them from what they've had the past like eight years, but yeah, Dirk Nowitzki at this point is going to go down as almost like one of the most underrated players in my opinion, because he's been really, really good yeah, for a really sure. long time. <laughs> and he's to the, he's not like Duncan in the sense that Duncan at least won championships, but Dirk's never won a, a ring and I don't think he ever will. Um, but at the same time, just the things he does night in and night out are just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's not, you know, quote unquote sexy in the way that a guy like Garnett was or a guy like, uh, I don't know, even a guy like Amari Stoudemire would be, um, but he's just really, really effective and efficient. So. Yeah, I would put Dirk on the level of like Carl Malone and Charles Barkley, you know, exactly. guys who won an MVP, who mm-hmm. went to the finals but never won it, but were great for a long period of time. So exactly, yeah. and the longevity for all of those guys is just you know phenomenal. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I have the Jazz four, I have the Spurs five because I I thought that last year they overcame a lot i don't feel like anyone played over their heads last year except for maybe george hill and i'm taking the opposite approach of your jefferson argument i thought he was so bad last year that, if he's better, <laughs> that they'll be a better team <laughs> i think it's hard for him to be worse than he was last year he was awful last year he was terrible um and they got splitter who i like and i don't know yeah. i got the blazers six uh, you know they were i mean kind of like the Thunder, in the sense that they were an exciting young team, but at this time, at this point, they've really, you know, plateaued. Yeah. 
Um, the Odin pick really killed them. Oh, the Odin pick. God, you imagine if they had Durant and Oh, Durant. yeah. That'd be if they had Durant, they would have Roy, Durant, and Aldridge as the 2 3 4. I mean, and then, I mean, if they had like Prisbilla and Camby at center. Oh, yeah. And Andre Miller. I mean, that's a championship level that's team. That's a championship level team right for there. sure. Yeah. That, that pick changed the entire course of their franchise, and it's really it's, sad. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the Jordan Bowie pick uh, back yeah. in 84. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have the Nuggets seven because I feel like they're talented, but I don't think I think this Carmelo thing is really going to screw him over. And I have the Hornets eight just because I don't know. It's been a while since Chris Paul's made it through a season, and I'm just not sold on their supporting cast. But they are a good team, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. All right. So yeah, we both have the same playoff teams. It's just a different For, order. I guess we do. Yeah. The only other I thought about sneaking the Rockets in there, um, but you know. I'm always a huge Rockets fan. For whatever reason, this this year feels a little different. Um, and then the Suns, I don't think I think the Suns are going to be a lot of trouble this year. Actually, yeah, the Suns are. I mean, yeah, Nash is a year older again, and they lost Amari. They basically traded Amari for Hakeem Warwick and Josh Childress. And <laughs> oh, and, oh, and Hido. Yeah, I forgot about Hido. So yeah, I I agree, and I think. I, I think really they're going to miss Amari. Or I think Nash specifically is going to miss Amari much more than anyone thought because yeah. I, I don't think Amari is a great player, but I mean, he basically gave them an option in the half court every single time. And seeing, you know, Hakeem Moore come at you is not the same as seeing, well, I mean, it's similar, but Hakeem Moore can't shoot or finish, you know, nearly yeah. the same way. And they've, they've uh, just got way too many small forwards. They, they literally have like seven small forwards. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So other intriguing teams to me are uh, the Warriors, who I predict will finish 10th. Oh, you think so, huh? I oh. I, I am cautiously optimistic. All right. Um, basically, I've I've watched more Warrior basketball than I have in a while, and uh, they haven't really played anyone good besides the Lakers, where they got smoked. But I mean, I, every time I watch Steph Curry, he is just an absolute joy to watch, and Monte seems to be on a mission this year. Uh, really, the problem is if anyone gets hurt, they're screwed. So yeah, I think that's they the, have, that's their the problems problem. are they have no depth. I mean, their mm-hmm. starting lineup on paper is actually quite decent. You got yeah Monte, you got Curry, you got Beadrich, you've got David Lee, and I forget who yeah, that small Darrell Wright. Darrell Wright. I mean, that's that's he's, he's decent. Yeah, that's decent. I mean, but yeah, they have no depth and they play mm-hmm. no defense. You know, those are their two right. gaping holes. The, and I don't see the defense aspect is improving slightly, but it's going to be a while still. I just feel like now, I, I really feel like Nelly held them back the last few years, and I think that this team, given the talent, if they at least start putting a philosophy together, then I think they can start going places. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, what do you think? Do you think the Clippers are have any chance? I, I always feel like the Clippers have much more <laughs> talent than their record shows. Um, the Clippers, I mean, Griffin and, I and say, Griffin yeah. are a great, great core, and Cayman is like a you know top five NBA center at this point. So they did look really good against the Thunder yesterday, and you know Eric Bledsoe looked Bledsoe really too. Good. He yeah. was really fast. He was dishing it fast and shoots. Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm um, almost saying you know let Baron take as long as he wants coming back. <laughs> his fat load can ride on the bench, and Eric Bledsoe can get his minutes if he keeps. Bar- Baron is useless. Baron yeah. is useless. Um, okay, let's talk about the East. I, and I realize I know a lot less about the East than I do about the West. So yeah, I mean, you, the, you go the, first. The West, we basically know how it's going to turn out. The Lakers are going to win, and you know, unless if they stay healthy, they're going to win. And there's, 
you know, there's no questions about that. The East is a little more wide open. I feel like there's like four teams, four or five teams that could, well, not five, but four teams that could basically, <laughs> four teams that could definitely win the East if everyone is healthy. And so I'll start at the top. I'll go with Miami at number one. Okay. And that goes without saying, you know, obviously the Heat are going to be very good. Uh, I've got Boston at number two. Mm-hmm. I've got Orlando at number three. I've got the Bulls at number five. I've got number four. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, number four. Yeah, I've got Milwaukee at number five. I'm kind of curious about now because I thought they were going to be better than they have shown so far. I think they're like one and four so far this season. Right. But I feel like they'll be better. John Salmons has been awful so far, and he got paid, and I'm a little worried that he's going to mail in this season. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. But, yeah, I've got them slotted in tentatively at number five right now. I've got Atlanta slipping to number six because, um, I don't know, I, I just I don't feel That's like... That's quite a slip. I don't feel like they've improved their team at all from last year. They're basically the same team. And Mike Bibby is getting really old, and I don't know, Joe Johnson got paid. I mean, I guess you can say, you can assume Horford and Smith are going to get better, but I mean, I, I just, I don't see why the Hawks are any better than they were last year. I think they're actually a little worse. So I've got them slipping to the sixth spot. Um, I've got the Knicks climbing up to number seven with Amari and Raymond Felton coming in. Um... I think they're going to be better than they were before. I really like Gallinari. So, okay. you know, we'll see. And Timofey Mozgov, <laughs> you know, is their starting center. I, I don't, I've, I, I don't even know who that is, Steve. <laughs> I didn't know who he was either until the season started and I found out he was going to be the starting center for them. But apparently he's, I mean, he's kind of decent. I don't know. I haven't seen him play yet, but I've read things about him. But it could just be the New York media overhyping someone, which is, you know, definitely possible. But yeah, for right now, I've got them slotted in at number seven. I mean, because you know, after the top six, the East is just terrible. Yep. You know, you could put anyone in there. You could put, you know, Philly or any of those. You know, Washington. There's a number of mediocre teams that you could put into those last few playoff spots. But I've got the Knicks at number seven for right now. And I've got the Indiana Pacers at number eight, sneaking okay. in. Okay. Well, I kind of like because I mean they've got Granger and MDJ at the wings. They've got Darren Collison running the point. Mm-hmm. They've got Roy Hibbert playing mm-hmm. center, and they've got a platoon of Josh, Josh McRoberts and Psycho T at the four. <laughs> which you know in the East I feel like is good enough to barely sneak into the playoffs. And you know, the key for them, I think, is Darren Collison picking up yeah, that. Yeah, Collison's got to really bring it, and he's been kind of yeah. So far. And I think it's really Jim O'Brien's fault because he hasn't been, you know, he's been sticking Collison in a system that he's unfamiliar with and not comfortable in, and it's going to take time for Collison to become Please. accustomed yeah. to it. So yeah. let's see, but I, I think they have just enough to sneak into that eight spot. Okay. Um. My eight uh, are kind of similar to yours, but not fully. Um, I have the Heat number one, the Celtics number two, the Magic number three. These are all kind of boring. Um, Bulls four and Hawks five. Now, to me, that's like the end of a tier. 
I don't feel like the Bucks are that good, but I feel like those five teams are all teams that. Yeah, are those just, are playoff locks. I think. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I, I agree that the Hawks could slow down. I don't think it's quite this early yet because I think eventually that Joe Johnson contract is going to weigh him down. But I don't think it's this year um, mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, the Bucks. I mean, I, I like the Bucks actually a lot, players wise. It's just, I mean, they're they're a good team. Um, so the the last two spots are the ones that are interesting for me, and I I could definitely see the Knicks and Pacers. I could see a whole bunch of different teams. Yeah, I went with the Sixers and Wizards because. I like the Sixers personnel. I think that they've got really good guard play with, uh, I mean, I've actually always been a huge Holiday fan. I don't think he's gonna become a star, but I think he should be a pretty good player. He'll be decent, um, I think. Yeah, and then I've always liked Lewis Williams and Turner. Um, and then you throw, and then... Turner hasn't been, and, I mean, Turner hasn't been really living up to his billing so far, but Elton Turner Brand. Turner struggled. Yeah. Elton Brand has reinvented himself. He He's rejuvenated. He looks like the old Elton Brand, and I'm completely floored because he did not, he could not have looked more done last year. Yeah, exactly. He looked finished, but he's, yeah. he's looked okay. And I think that, you know, that's one, that's not enough, but having one big man in the East is enough to match up with a lot of teams, yeah. so. I wouldn't um, be surprised if they got into the playoffs at all. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to take them a while because a lot of their main pieces are just really young. You know, guys like Holiday and Turner. Um, so it's going to take them a little while. And but. Doug Collins does have a history of improving teams in his first year. So He does, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. And I have the Wizards 8 because I'm not really sure why. Uh, I think it's <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I, think, I think he's actually a really, really good player. Um, I think Arenas... Is going to get out of here at some point. Hopefully, they get something for him because McGee is kind of interesting up front, as is Blatch. Neither of them are very good, but they're both interesting at least. I was saying that it would be interesting if they traded Baron for Arenas straight up. That would be interesting. You, I think that'd know, be trade your aging, you know, <laughs> troublesome veteran for your their aging troublesome veteran. Baron and Wall would be an interesting pairing. Yeah, that would. Be. I think it'd be. Sl- very slightly better than Bear or than Wall and Arenas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, if you're if you're the if you're the Wizards, you don't want Gilbert Arenas anywhere near John Wall, right? You don't want him corrupting him. You don't want him bringing guns into the locker room and doing any of the sort. I no, think, not at all. I think that would be a terrible idea. <laughs> Baron's just fat, and he kind of like keeps to himself, and I, I don't think he would be as much of. Bad influence Baron, on John. Baron just needs to be properly motivated. When he's properly yeah. motivated, he's a very good player. When he's, he's not, such a fat he's, load, though. He's just, right just he's just fat and an idiot when he's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that all uh, how that all shakes out. It's only game four and five, so we got a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's finish up with the Mary Buff kill of the week. Okay. So. In light of the political season, I have chosen the last three first ladies that we've had. So we're going to give Michelle Obama, Laura Bush, and Hillary Clinton a go. So how about it, Paul? Um, this is pretty easy for me. Um, Hillary's kind of a you know a bitch, so she's getting chucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was like the easiest possible. Uh, I really like Michelle Obama a lot, so I'll marry her. And... Uh, I guess I'll do uh, Laura Bush then. All right. Well, I, I've I agree with you wholeheartedly that Hillary <laughs> has just got to go. <laughs> Hillary's but, gone. But, but 
I, I like Laura Bush. I feel like she's, you know, I, I, well, I feel like Michelle Obama is more spicy. And she would be more fun to spend one night with. And I feel like Laura Bush, I mean, she just seems more wifely and more motherly. And I think she would be a better wife. So I would marry Laura Bush and fuck Michelle Obama. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, there. Everyone listens. Everyone who's listening to this knows which way I lean, right? So it's no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, okay, and right back at you, we have. Uh, I wanted to like an obscure category, so I was going to go with race car drivers, but that was only Danica Patrick. Um, so instead, I went with and <laughs> WNBA centers. I don't okay. actually know if, if the last one's a center, but anyway, I have Lisa Leslie, Rebecca Lobo, and Candace Parker. All right. Well, this one was kind of tough. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are always so much more tough than yeah, those. Yeah, I, I don't, I normally don't want anything to do with the WNBA. <laughs> um, I think Candace Parker is actually kind of cute. Mm-hmm. So I think I would fuck her and toss Rebecca Lobo. And Mary Lisa Leslie, the greatest player in the history of the WNBA. <laughs> Lisa uh, Leslie is an LA icon. She's the best. She is. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. And she was, played after having kids too. Mm-hmm, yeah, came back, was still dominant. So exactly. yeah, greatest, greatest women's basketball player ever, Lisa Leslie. So uh, I think I would marry her. That's that's pretty true. Uh, unfortunately, I have the exact. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree. Candace Parker is kind of cute. Uh, Lobo, I think, is not at all. And Leslie is uh, a good mom. So yeah. there you go. Candace Parker, I don't know what she's doing with Sheldon Williams. He's probably the ugliest yeah. player in the NBA. He's I agree. Really hideous. That was. I feel like she could do a lot better than that. You know. She could. Yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think that will do it for us this week. Um, but I. Th- Hopefully, we'll be able to keep this back to a regular routine, so check back next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. You got to harvest your nuts right now, man.